You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Today, Dr. Frank Turk joins me. Frank is an American apologist, author, radio host, and a good friend of mine. And we're going to sit down and talk about something very raw and very real. It's going to be a conversation about California State Assembly Bill 2223. Now, if you're not aware of it, you need to stay tuned because it's coming to a state near you if it's not stopped here. So we're going to be dropping some pretty huge truth bombs. And I got to tell you, if you're a pastor, parts of this conversation may be uncomfortable for you. But listen, that's what we're here for, to speak truth. Don't forget that you can always subscribe to the Jack Gibbs podcast by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. So adjust your pods, turn up the volume, and get ready. Let's roll. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Assembly Bill 2223 was authored by Oakland Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. And Buffy Wicks is working in conjunction with Governor Gavin Newsom. It came about because Newsom immediately, when he saw that the U.S. Supreme Court could possibly overturn Roe v. Wade, he went into overdrive on evil. And so there was this collusion in Sacramento to quickly get ahead, get something on the books that would enshrine murder in California should they lose Roe v. Wade uh, nationally. You got to remember, Frank, I'm currently in a lawsuit, uh, which I'll be uh, testifying soon, and we, we, we assume to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm in a lawsuit right now because I sued the governor of California because our health insurance programs in California have to provide uh, elective abortion funding. I refused to do that. We lost our health care coverage, so I'm currently in a lawsuit, uh, and that is now uh, coming up. Why? Why did we do this? Because as a church, as a Christian, and as a concerned citizen, if we don't stand for the sanctity of life, I mean, this is the line, I believe, from the Old Testament to this moment, where God makes it very clear. If you're going to sacrifice your children, that's where I've had enough of you as a state or a nation. And I, I'm, I am going to shake my robe, as it were, off of 
you off of my robe in judgment. And I think we're right at that, that point. So we've gotten to this, this issue now, Frank, where as we discuss on this program, your, your listeners are highly educated and engaged. They're going to find it a challenge to believe that you and I are actually speaking truth. I've been in media all two weeks, print and TV, and they can't believe it. And frankly, I find it hard to believe. But we've read the bill. ADF has read the bill. Pacific Justice Institute has read the bill. And uh, it's insane. They're actually going to allow the death of babies up to 30 or is it 28 or 30 days after birth. Is that right, Jack? Technically, it's 28 based upon the definition of perinatal. Here's what here's what happened when the bill was put forward to the Judiciary Committee, which it passed. You got to remember, California has a supermajority uh, of Democrats. The Democrats have ruled this state. And to be honest with you, even when Arnold Schwarzenegger was our governor, he was really a Republican. He was a Democrat with an R in the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back of his name. So let's remember that. When they crafted this bill, uh, we have spies up in Sacramento, and, and they tipped us off immediately to it. And so we made it public. And Buffy Wicks amended the bill. And when she amended it, ADF said it was a genius, brilliant amendment, because what she did was she made the bill even more vague to avoid the stigma of what we were calling it. And that was the infanticide bill, which is exactly what it is. She countered and said, this is not infanticide. That How horrible. How could you accuse me of this? So she wrote the word perinatal. Perinatal covers a baby that is born dead, stillbirth, all the way out to a baby that might die from SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, Mm -hmm. listen, or any other reason. Watch this. Here's where we get into the weeds. Out to 28 days, perinatal death is the term that she's using. But interestingly enough, in the law, it says any child born and dies within 28 days that death cannot be investigated by law enforcement because of their prejudice to blame the mother, that it's unfair, it would be unjust. So the bill not only legalizes the murdering of a child born into this world, but it ties the hands of law enforcement. You say, Jack, you're making it up. If I'm making it up, why did I spend three hours on the phone yesterday on Thursday uh, with the California uh, Law Enforcement Officers Association as they are forming a group to testify against this bill because they understand, Frank, that the bill reads that they could be held liable if the, the woman in any way, shape or form feels that she's being accused that she's being discriminated against or, uh, or or her life is being cast in dispersion on this death. So a woman can actually basically kill her baby in the first 28 days. And if anybody investigates her, they could be liable. They could yeah. be persecuted or prosecuted, I should say. This is going on in California, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming to your state. If you do not do something now, who knows what's going to happen? 
hey, I have something for you. It's compact, but it's powerful, and it packs a punch. It's a booklet that we've put out called Countdown, All Eyes on God's Ultimate Endgame. But what does that mean? In light of what's going on in the world around us, I have never seen the pieces coming together so well and so aligned, according to Bible prophecy, like we see right now in these end times. Are we living in the last days? What should we be looking for? I asked myself these questions, and looking only to the Word of God, I found the answers, true answers according to the Scriptures. Countdown. All Eyes on God's Ultimate Endgame is a pocketbook I wrote, and I want you to have it. And this is available for a gift of any amount. Simply go to jackhibbs.com. All the information is right there on how you can obtain a copy for yourself, hot off the press, as it were. jackhibbs.com. You can order it now. The state of California is about to pass a bill that would allow the murder of infants up to 28 days old. There's no way of getting around this, friends. This is what's going on. My question is, other than Jack Hibbs and a few other pastors who were in Sacramento the other day to fight this, where are the pastors in California? Where are the pastors in the neighboring states? Where's your pastor on this? Are, is Jack, why aren't more pastors concerned and vocal about the actual killing of infants. Man, Frank, I've been asking that question for a long time. We've been standing up against darkness in the political realm for a long time. You know, I don't know how to answer that because uh, we saw the precursor, or I should say the, sh the, the sifting during COVID. Where were the pastors during COVID? Where were the pastors when Gavin Newsom said, you will not open your church and you will not sing as a group in worship? That, to me, that was like, uh, those, those are fighting words uh, mm -hmm. when I understand mm -hmm. my Bible. Uh, we know what this governor and his party is all about. And yet now we've reached a point where in a post-COVID world, post-shutdown, post-mass, post-vaccine, all this kind of stuff, uh, now it seems as though, and I, and I want to believe it's not true, but it, it seems like there's so few that are willing to stand. I am hoping, Frank, that through your program and others, these guys hear about it and get engaged. If they don't, Frank, then I believe, based upon Scripture, that we're living in the last days, good, evil, good is called evil, evil is called good, mm -hmm. and that apathy would prevail in the church in the last days, and that, that there would be pastors that are idle shepherds. They get a check, they have a pension, they show up on Sunday, and then they golf or they go surfing. And that's about it. They don't get involved, Frank, in politics. We preach the gospel. That's all I hear when I challenge these guys. We just preach the gospel. And Frank, that's the problem. That's Let's the talk. problem. Let, yeah. Let's talk about that, Jack, because there are objections that people will bring up. Uh, you know, if you start getting too political, Jack, you're going to turn people off to the gospel. What do you say to that? Yeah, I understand that. You do not want to get political uh, for political sake. And I always try to make that a point. I always go to this, Frank. God, God invented marriage. God invented the church. And God invented government. What we're dealing with in California is not government. We're dealing with politics that has invaded the sanctity of God-given authority. Romans 13 says that those who are in power have been granted the power by God to do good. 
But when that power decides to do evil with that good, the church is to step in and to say, it's better for us to obey God rather than man. I believe, without being political, Frank, the church should hold our elected officials in this republic accountable. And so that's what we're doing. We are fighting for righteousness. That's my comeback. I would say to the pastor, Pastor, please explain to me, after you're done teaching and you turn your people loose, have you taught them to go out on Monday morning and do righteousness? What does that mean? What does that look like? What, is, what does it mean when the scripture says that the church went out and they went all about doing good? And that's what we need to challenge pastors about. It's not just them delivering a message on Sunday and looking cool on Facebook or YouTube. It's equipping their people to go and be disciples. So yes, we preach the gospel. And Frank, here's the deal. Our, you know us, we've not changed one bit mm -hmm. over the decades. Mm -hmm. But we had 19,000 people show up last Sunday. Mm. And, so, and, and that's probably double what it was prior to COVID. Because oh yeah. when COVID hit, Jack... After a couple of months, I think pastors did the right thing initially. We didn't know if this was Ebola, right? We didn't know, okay? Let's, 10 days to, to flatten the curve. We're with you, okay. But after about two months of that, Jack, you said, I don't care what the governor says, we're supposed to meet together. You opened up, and I remember, I think I was there maybe six, eight months after you did that, Jack, and people actually came up to me at the book table and said, I drove three hours to be here. Because my, my church isn't open. This church is the only one open. And, and you've doubled or tripled since then. And you're going through the Bible with people who haven't heard the Bible before. So you're, you're preaching Romans on, on Sunday morning, Hebrews on Wednesday night. Yeah. And the response has been overwhelming. We've been packed out. And these people, yeah. for example, who have been churched, have now, they have such a hunger for the Word of God because a reality slapped them in the face and they found out they didn't have a foundation. That five steps to a happy day is not going to get you through a, a crisis. And so I, you know me, I told you this privately, that I, de I deliberately stopped uh, where we were at and I said, look, everybody, I'm going to go to Romans and I'm going to go to Hebrews, the New Testament uh, uh, you know, holes of, uh, of the Magna Carta of New Testament doctrine uh, uh -huh. just to shake the tree so that we didn't have any looky-loos hanging around uh, because I believe time is short. They needed to hear the truth. And if people left, that's up, that's between them and God. But the exact opposite happened, Frank. You know that people began flocking to find out what does the Bible really say? And yeah, I mean, for crying out loud, Wednesday nights, you know, Wednesday nights, so we're pushing uh, 25, 2,700 people in the room on, on Wednesday nights mm -hmm, because people mm -hmm. are hungry for truth. You know, our mutual friend Tony Perkins has said this, that if you as a pastor begin to preach to the issues of the day as they come up in the scriptures, or even if you do a topical sermon, and you don't shy away from the truth, whether it's political or not, you just get out there and say, this is the truth, you don't like it, sorry, I'm just a messenger, right? This is from God, okay? If you do that, you are going to lose some people. But guess what? You're going to gain a lot more, and those people are going to be truly devoted disciples of Jesus. And Jack, your church is a testimony to that. You've doubled in the past two years because yeah. you're not backing down. One of these pastors, and by the way, we don't do it to get big crowds, quite obviously. We do it because it's the truth. And so, so few people are preaching the truth, Jack. Encourage the pastors listening right now. Encourage the people in the pews that they need to demand truth, regardless of whether it touches on politics or not. 
I'll encourage them the way I encourage myself. You know, David said, I believe in Psalm 43, <laughs> it's almost as though he looked down his robe, remember? And he said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope mm -hmm. thou in God, mm -hmm. for he is our strength. And that's, that's what I would say to the pastors that are watching right now is this challenge. Do you believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said, my sheep hear my voice, they follow me? We are ordered to give them, the flock or the, the world, the, the voice of Jesus. How do we do that? The word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If we do that, then God's people, the Holy Spirit will make sure that his people hear that word and they'll come to the truth. The last thing you want at this time of church history is a church full of people who really don't know what they believe or why they believe it, but I feel good when I go to church. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Listen, we are called to make disciples, and all we are responsible to do is to disciple them in the Word of God, not in what's hip, not in what's cool. And when you tell them that, when you go out next Sunday and say, I am here to make you uh, get closer to Jesus Christ by presenting the unadulterated Word of God. And I trust this morning, family of God, that the Holy Spirit takes these words and, and staples them to your soul. That's why I'm here. If you don't want this, remove me as a pastor or don't come back. But let's stand and let's, op let's open our Bibles now. Mm -hmm. Well, you do that so well. And by the way, folks, if you don't know, the Jack Hibbs podcast is brand new. It shot right to the top of the charts, even on the secular charts, Jack. you In fact, for a while, you just had a two-minute trailer, and it was outpacing just about every other podcast. People are going, yeah, we want, the, we want to hear more from this guy. He's just preaching the truth. How do we get more of this? In fact, in the context of the Antichrist, but you said this. You said that if we don't have Christ in our lives, we're suckers for being deceived. Unpack that further. Unpack that. Yeah, it's funny. You know, right uh, right beyond uh, my, my laptop here, I'm looking outside, and believe it or not, it rained in California last night. And in my backyard on Miracles the patio. Miracles do happen. Yeah, it's a miracle, huh? <laughs> That's right. There's, there's little divots in the patio, little low spots, and water has congregated there, Okay. And so uh, where there's a void or where there's a low spot, things will congregate to it. So think about that as, as a believer. That spot looked blank until it rained. A believer's life is filled with the ownership of the Holy Spirit. That void has been filled by the possession of Christ. He owns us. A non-believer doesn't have that. They are open to whatever comes along. Something's going to fill that void, Frank. And if it's not the Holy Spirit, you are now subject to the deception, the lies, and the trickery of the evil one. The Bible's very clear about this. And so uh, the greatest way to ward off deception is, of course, to have the Holy Spirit as a believer in you. Paul talked to the Corinthians about this, that God will not share the temple of the Holy Spirit, your body your life with Beelzebub, with Satan. And so you're either filled with the ownership of God or you're not. And if you're not, there's a sign hanging on you spiritually saying vacant or vacancy. And that's a terrifying place to live. Yeah, you said when you're talking about this that we're open to all sorts of fads. I mean, yeah. look, this this whole sexual movement's a fad, Jack. It I is. mean, transgenderism 
uh, and there are people that obviously struggle with gender dysphoria. We're not minimizing them, but when you have vast swaths of the population making it seem like everybody has this and that everybody, even young children, the Biden administration came out a couple of weeks ago and said children as early as three to five years old, if they think they're the opposite sex, you as a parent need to affirm them. And Jack, they went on to even say this, that the government may come in and take that child from you if you don't. This is a fad, and yet there are people being actually deceived by it. And if, if, if you're a Christian, you have a defense against this, Jack. Yeah, Frank, I'm going to share something. i got to be careful so I, I don't get sued. But um, there was a science camp for mm-hmm. public and private schools. And you just sign up and your kid goes up there for three days. By the way, listen to this. This is a, this is a tip off. It's a science camp. Um, but what they said was, we're talking of third, fourth, and fifth graders going up, and for three days, parents are not allowed to communicate with their kids. Okay, Hmm. number one warning. Second thing was this, that when the kids came back from the camp, they all had questions to their parents about what is gender identity, and what is uh, LBGTQ? This was a science camp. And they actually got in trouble last year with another school out of the Los Angeles School District because they wound up, kids wound up coming back and telling this public school that they attend that they were being indoctrinated regarding the LBGTQ uh, position. Point is this. We have got to be extremely careful and wise, and we need to watch out and be directly involved in what our kids are learning. Point, though, Frank, to your point, is no kid thinks this up on their own. This stuff is embedded. It's Mm -hmm. planted in them. Mm -hmm. They, they, They deliberately drop verbiage that causes a kid to be curious. For example, in one of our high schools, the this is high school now. One of the questions was asked by a teacher, have you ever thought about what it would be like almost taking cues from Katy Perry's song, I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It? Have you ever thought about what it would be like if you're a girl to kiss a girl? Well, then you may have lesbian tendencies. This is they in school. It, yeah. They dropped it into the mm-hmm. high schoolers' kids. Mm-hmm. I, I, I promise you, whoever's watching this right now, it's happening to your kid, mm-hmm. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And don't say that you sent your kid to a Christian school so it's not happening. Watch out. I know a lot of pastors and Christians are worried about getting involved in politics. We talked about a little already, but I want to ask people right now, if you're not driving, to take out your iPhone or your Droid. I want you to text or I want you to put in your your, uh, search engine just a, a few words, Korea Satellite Night, Korea Satellite Night. When you see that image come up, you're going to see a satellite picture of the Korean Peninsula. You're going to see South Korea full of light. You're going to see North Korea dark. And the answer for why there's a difference between South and North Korea is one thing. It's politics. Uh, Let me ask you this. What country would you rather live in, South Korea or North Korea? You'd rather live in South Korea. Why? Because they have political freedom. If you want to keep your political freedom, if you want to keep your ability to preach and teach and live the gospel, you better be involved on these moral issues because the government can take that stuff away from you if you're not engaged. And Jack, you're engaged. Now, what kind of pushback do you get by being engaged, Jack? What do people say to you? Do you, do you, do you have people walking out? Do you have people coming after you? What happens Frank, when you get Frank, disengaged? You 
Yeah, Frank, you want you might want to edit my answer. Uh, and it, my answer is this: the flock is is swarming to the church and online. My greatest opposition, hands down, is not even from the the leftist uh, and the rogue Democrats of California. Believe it or not, I am constantly criticized by pastors and by uh, those in church leadership of other ministries that are simply attacking with this with this uh, narrative. Politics is evil, and you are bringing it into the church. You're defiling your people. You are wasting your time. And here's the funny thing, Frank. They go through all of this stuff, but their churches haven't doubled or tripled in size. They didn't baptize 3,114 people in a couple of months. They are not dealing with 19,000 people showing up on a, on a Sunday for service. What does that tell them? That we can preach the gospel and then go out and be salt and light. That's what it should be telling them. But my number one opposition are those of the religious order, of those of the religious uh, hierarchy of the day, trying everything, Frank, to sit on the lid and wow. keep status quo. And you can see the lid boiling off. They can't contain it. People, <laughs> people are flocking to the truth. And I tell you what, Pastor, you want your church to grow? Listen, that's not a good request. You want your church to grow because your church is rooted and grounded on truth, not numbers. Mm -hmm, You've got mm -hmm. to be willing to empty your church out by presenting truth and let God build it, and he will build it. And then you can have the peace and confidence that it's his church, he bought it, he, he'll empower it. You just do your job, and he'll take care of the rest. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have mm -hmm, to worry about board mm -hmm, members. You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about attendance. And if it turns out you're Jeremiah standing alone preaching the truth, oh, well. That's what you're doing. You know, Jack, I don't think people realize that Jesus was involved in politics because who are the politicians of his day? The Pharisees. They were on the Sanhedrin. They were part of the political order. And here's what Jesus says to them. And this is easy to remember, friends. It's Matthew 23, 23. What does Jesus say to the politicians of this day? He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying... He's saying to the politicians, you've been majoring in the minors. Jack, we've been telling people to wear masks for two years, and yet we won't tell them, not only don't kill your babies in the womb, now we're telling them it's okay to kill them out of the womb. Jack, what's going on? It's crazy. Frank, Frank add to that that in Southern California, there were churches that had vaccination sites on campus. Okay? What in the world's going on? Well, there's the separation of church and state. Well, wait a minute. Uh why are you acting like the state then? And by the way, isn't it funny that when this, watch this, that we are to call to protect life. Our God is all about life. Uh -huh. Jesus says, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's our, that's our thing. Marriage, that's ours. The defense of the unborn, we're commanded, that's ours. Mm -hmm. Okay, the government comes along and says, we're taking that flag, that banner from you. 
and we're going to plant it on our hill. And you'll sit down and you'll shut up and you'll say nothing about it. And pastors go like this for fear of what I do not know. Uh, but imagine if a church stood up and said, excuse me, we're taking the flag back of the definition of marriage and life. That belongs in the Bible. You've politicized it when it's an actual theological mandate from God Almighty, and we're coming to you, Sacramento, and we're taking back the definition of marriage or the sanctity of life, because that is an area that belongs to the sovereign hands of God. Yes. Someone's going to win the worldview debate. It is going to be the people that have got the microphone in your state capitol or in your city, or it's going to be like it was in the early days in the colonial pulpits of America, the epicenter of cultural truth, where the where the pulpits of colonial America, the black robe regiment of our founding fathers, were not the ones that were, were the politicians. Sam Adams said that it was the pastors that taught on liberty and freedom and responsibility to God. That's where our founding fathers got it from. Well, unfortunately, people don't know history, Jack, as you know. They don't know that, look, we're not trying to legislate religion. We're trying to legislate morality, and everybody's trying to legislate morality. Obviously, California now thinks it's going to be moral to be able not to murder just babies in the womb, but out of the womb up to 28 days after they're born, ladies and gentlemen. And if you can't stand up against that, what can you stand up against? I mean, what... If you're not going to speak up against the actual murder of children, what are you going to speak up against? You're not. Yeah, there's some good news, everybody. If, good news, if you decide to get involved. Uh, and so here's where we're at. It passed Judiciary Committee, voting straight down party lines. All Democrats voted to kill the baby. All Republicans voted to save the baby. Then it went to the Health Committee. And all Democrats voted to kill. All the Republicans voted to save. Now it goes to appropriations where there is no public hearing, but it moves then to the Senate and here in the state of California. So we've got several attempts to rally, to make calls, to make a difference. I am pleading, I am begging every pastor in California, every Catholic priest, listen, if you are an imam at a mosque, if you are a rabbi at a synagogue, in fact, Frank, how about this? If you're like that young woman who went to the microphone uh, as I was testifying last week, she came up and she said, my name's Susie Q. I'm from San Francisco. I'm a Democrat. I'm an atheist. And I'm against this wicked bill. And she walked out and got a standing ovation. All We need everyone who's got a conscience and some form of a backbone to go to realimpact.us, realimpact.us, and find out how you can get involved. But we need every single one of you to make some noise. Call your assembly member in your area. You've got one in California. And tell them, vote no on AB 2223. I'm watching how you vote, and I will see to it that I'll make your vote public. When you say it that way, it sends chills to their bones. And why are we to do it, Frank? Very obscure verse. Who in the world studies this? 2 Corinthians 10, 6. Nobody even knows about it. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6. Paul there says, By our obedience to Christ, we punish disobedience in this world. Mm. That's how we do it, living righteously. 
And the verse right before that, he says, we demolish arguments and take every thought captive to Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed, if we're not going to stand for these, for unborn people, who will? Now, here's one thing I think we need to start asking these people who are for this bill, Jack. How does a dead baby improve anything? Because that's really what they want. They want dead babies. How does a dead baby improve anything? How does it solve a problem? I, I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't get where these people are coming from. Why would they, why would they think this, Jack? The people who testified for the bill yeah. to have it approved right. on, on Tuesday, ACLU mm-hmm. and Planned Parenthood, mm. they, they, they said so. They announced their name, who they were with, and how they wanted the assembly to vote. There is big business on the, on the worldly side. There's big business in dead babies. Mm. Okay. Second thing is, it's demonic. On the spiritual side, this is none other. And I'm wondering if you guys all believe your Bible. This is none other than the same demonic powers that that you read about in your Old Testament scriptures of, of human sacrifice. These are the same demons living out, manipulating people. They have found a home in the California Democrat Party. And they've got them almost like C.S. Lewis, Frank C.S. Lewis's book, you know, well, screw tape letters. Mm-hmm. It's like we're living it out here right, right now. Right, right. It's crazy. So you, you you can't take it out on the person that you're debating personally. But what you are doing spiritually is going behind them to the power that's manipulating them. I view that because I'm a believer. But we must stand. And after we've stood, the Bible says, stand therefore, right? We are to be girded with all of the armament of the believer in Ephesians chapter 6. And we've got to do it. I believe, Frank, I believe God is testing not only the wicked. I believe God is testing his church to see who is, who is of the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is for real? Who will stand? And by the way, Frank, we've got to qualify in the last days, do we not? Don't we have to qualify for being those who will be persecuted in the last days? Didn't Jesus promise us that in the last days people are going to rise up against us and say all manner of evil against us and hate us because we love him? you got to ask yourself this question. Are you all about being loved by everybody? Mm-hmm. Or are you all about being loved by God and loved by his people but hated by Satan and hated by those who worship him? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Or Jesus at one point might say, away from me, I never knew you, because you were more concerned about yourself than you were about me. You were more concerned about being liked rather than being loved by me. Look, Jesus loves everybody infinitely because he's an infinite being, but a lot of people turn away that love, Jack, for the love of other people, for the love of the culture. Right. That's what they do. They they turn it away. That's their idol. You know, I'm reminded you brought up C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis in his book, Abolition of Man, talks about when good things are swollen to madness in isolation. Now, sex is a good thing. But when you make that the ultimate thing, you swell it to madness in isolation to the point that you're willing to sacrifice children so you can feel better about the illicit sex you've engaged in. That's where we are, that that we're putting sex at the very top of our priority list. And that good thing is now swollen to madness in isolation to the point that we're actually willing to kill children so we can justify what we want to do sexually. Jack, we, we need to speak out against this. Frank, you so well, I don't remember when it was, because we've had the privilege of having you at church uh, many times, but you one time preached and said that America's new God 
is sex. Mm-hmm. And it you is. are so right. And you're even more right now. And you're going to be even more right tomorrow because you're exactly true on this thing. And, and here's the deal. Uh, don't you believe in a woman's right to choice uh, to choose? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. She chose to have sex. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm not talking as a pastor. I'm talking as a biologist. Right. Okay. We're designed in such a way that when two come together, living sperm collides with living egg and you've got life. It's called biology. It happens probably a thousand times a day. The point is this. You can't undo that. Well, I believe in a woman's right to choose. No, what you're saying is you believe in a woman's right to murder the child either in Mm -hmm. or out of the womb because Mm -hmm. she made a decision earlier that she frankly knew what could happen. And so did he. But now they're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube Mm -hmm. and that ain't going to happen. You're pleading with pastors to get involved and to preach on these things And for some reason, I don't know what they're afraid of. They're afraid of losing money. They're afraid of losing their staff. They're afraid of losing the congregation. Tell them, Jack, why your job is to speak the truth regardless of the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, Those of us who handle the word of God, James tells us we're going to be judged with a stricter judgment Mm -hmm. when we appear before the Lord. In other words, too much has been given to us and too much shall be required of us. That's right. And so what I would say to all the pastors is you need to you need to go uh, fast, take a drive into the desert, climb a mountain, take a rowboat out to sea, get alone. You know, you asked, how do I do Romans and Hebrews uh, and preach messages during the week? I got to get alone. I spend I have to spend a lot of time alone. Pastor, get alone. Listen to what God is saying. Don't let Facebook or Instagram or mm. Twitter shape what Ooh. you're going to say next. If you can't handle those things, get off of them mm. and get into the Word of God. It is my desire for you, and I know Frank shares this, ingest the Word of God until it's burning in your soul so much that when you get into the pulpit on Sunday, nobody can stop you. Mm. You're on fire. Mm. You've mm. got to deliver what He gave you, not what you downloaded, mm. not what you read in a book. It's okay to read commentaries. Right. After God has given you your sermon, mm-hmm. then read the commentaries. Mm-hmm. Get it from Him. You'll be on fire, God will anoint and bless you, and your congregation will be transformed. Don't let the noise of the world drown out the Word of God. Don't let the noise of the world drown out the Word of God. There's a lot of noise out there, and you've got to pierce through that noise with the Word of God and with truth. And if you're only willing to speak on what the world tells you you can speak on, then you're not truly being prophetic. And I'm not talking about telling the future. I'm talking about actually speaking the truth to your congregation. Now, Jack, you do that so well. Thanks so much for leading your congregation, brother. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.